please take your copy of the Bible. And we're returning to that familiar passage in which we have all summer long, and that is in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 10. What we've been doing is putting this idea of spiritual warfare under a microscope, and we've been looking at how spiritual warfare is so present in our lives. And in this passage, this is called uh, the armor of God. You saw this in the cover of your bulletin. We've looked at different articles of armor each week, and this morning is the helmet of salvation. I've seen a lot of helmets this morning being worn by our little people. How many of you have your little helmets with you? Are they easy that you could put them on? Oh, look over here. Here's one over here. You have my freedom to put them on right now and stand up, and you could show everyone your helmet. You want to do that? Aren't those cool? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for all the teachers that, that put that together. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, and we've been working at memorizing this together, and hopefully as I'm reading this, reciting this, that it's only just um, being washed over you like, yes, I know this, I've been meditating on this all summer. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep all alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." This morning, we're going to look at this helmet of salvation. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were not thinking clearly? Okay. A a couple of years ago, um, our boys and I were out off just the side of our house. We have this vacant lot, and we have a zip line that goes back and forth, and, and it was kind of warm that day, and I decided, you know, I've been, I've been strolling you guys up to the top of this hill all day long. I got a better idea. So I grabbed our four-wheeler, and I, and I brought it out, and I, I decided I would ride the boys up to the top area of the zip line and let go, and then they could ride down. But after a while, that kind of got a little boring, so I decided to go a little faster and make some sharp turns. And at one point, I actually rolled the four-wheeler and, and went right over the handlebars and collided on the ground. Now, I got up thinking everything was okay, 
But the boys noticed I was a little bit different. In fact, one of them went in the house and got my wife, Melody, and, and Melody came out and she began to fire away with some assessment questions. And some of those were pretty hard, like, how many kids do you have? And I didn't get that one right. I couldn't remember. And then she started asking me about the birthdays of each one of these boys. And I can hardly get that when I'm thinking clearly, much less on the other side of a concussion. And after a few of these questions, Melody says, you know what, I think you have had a concussion because you are not thinking clearly. And I think she was right. Well, perhaps you've had an incident like that where you've had a bump to your head. Maybe you got woke up in the middle of the night and someone barked out instructions at you and and you're not thinking quite clearly. Or maybe due to medication or just coming out of a surgery, um, your, your mind is a little bit foggy. Well, today, the armor that we're speaking of is the helmet of salvation. If you have an outline, number one, the Roman helmet protected the soldier from injuries to the head. The helmet would have been made of bronze or iron. And just like what we see here with our kids, it would have been very uh, durable on the outside. But think of a football helmet that there would be some padding on the inside for comfort. There would have been areas for visibility for the eyes, but the purpose of this helmet would be to protect from a blow of a large sword or something called a battle axe. Because if you were hit with a sword or a battle axe in the head and you did not have a helmet, it was game over. But if you did have a helmet, it could protect you and preserve your life. In the New King James Version, in Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As we now move this armor, this helmet, to think about the implications of the Christian life, we can say that we need something to guard our thinking. Because as Proverbs says, the way we think is the way that we are. You know, our thinking goes a long way to determine the health of our life, doesn't it? Perhaps you know of someone, perhaps they're very close to you, or you've known of someone in the past that has experienced some dementia. And what could happen there is one has extreme health in their motor skills. They can use their hands and their feet, their heart and their lungs, all operate normally or maybe even above normal levels. But their mind is confused. I could think of a few years ago, uh, uh, the boys and I visited a friend. They were in an assisted living facility. And as we visited with this friend and, and just conversed with this person, about five, six, or seven times over those 15, 20 minutes, this person repeated the same question. Now, visibly, you would have said, this person is in great health. They look good. They, they had a wonderful disposition about them. But their mind was cloudy and they were confused. And as a result, there was a a certain quality of life then that was hindered. So as we look at Christian life here, the helmet, the metaphor that we have here, is as a soldier needs to protect his head from a concussion or brain damage, 
Christians need to protect their minds from disbelief, doubts, and discouragement. Consider consider some of the great people of the Bible. One of my favorites is the prophet Elijah. Here was a man who, according to the book of James, was to be esteemed for his faith and a man of prayer. And at his greatest accomplishment there on Mount Carmel, where God used him to prove his identity and that he is supreme over all the other gods, there was a moment after that where Elijah is threatened by a woman named Jezebel. And out of fear, he scatters and he leads. And he goes to a, a, below a tree and it, the Bible says that he wanted to actually die there. He was a man of such faith, but because the helmet had been removed from him, he was given over to fears, doubts, and discouragement. Or how about the New Testament version of that, John the Baptist? If ever there was a bold man of God, it was John the Baptist. Here was a man who confronted the religious hypocrites of his day. He actually stood before King Herod and told him that when he stole his brother's wife, he had sinned against God. And he prepared the way of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in time, John the Baptist was arrested. And the helmet of salvation came off him, and he too was flooded with discouragement and doubts. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 3, John the Baptist sent some friends to Jesus and just asked this question, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? So to put on the helmet of salvation for a Christian is to be assured of God's love and care. Assurance is a wonderful teaching that the Bible provides for us Christians. Secondly, the helmet of salvation provides assurance of a Christian's saving relationship with God. So the question for each of us this morning, either in person or online, is this. Do you have assurance that your sins have been forgiven and that you will be in a right relationship with God and go to heaven for eternity? The helmet of salvation provides assurance of a Christian's saving relationship. So let me ask you a question. Why is it that we might not have assurance? A person could be saved in a right relationship with God, but lack assurance. I'll give you a few reasons. Number one is sin. It could be that you have forfeited a very close relationship with God because of disobedience in your life. And and if you are like me, what we tend to do is say, if I am this way, then God must be like this. If it's very difficult for me to overlook someone else's offense and for me to reconcile with them, well, then God must be like that as well. But we see that God is very different than us. We just sang about his mercy. His mercy is more this morning. Sin can be one of those things that fades our assurance. A second thing that can cause us to question our assurance is just ignorance. That we are not exactly sure what the Bible teaches about being saved from sin. 
Perhaps you think back to your teen years or maybe you're a teenager right now and you can think of relationships that your peers have that seem to be on one day and off the next. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And perhaps we think it's like that with our relationship with God. One day that we are in right standing with him and we are saved, but the next day because of our disloyalty and disobedience, we are no longer saved and it goes back and forth. And so we are ignorant of what the Bible teaches. There's a wonderful doctrine that the Bible supports called the security of the believer. And it just means this, that once a person has been saved by the grace of God, God keeps them in a relationship for all eternity. Now, when I first came to Highland Crest over 20 years ago, as one that just worked in the area and, and attended here, just, just like what you are, I really struggled with that doctrine, security of the believer. And I think the reason I did is because I saw that somehow I contributed to me being saved. I'm the one who chose to be forgiven of my sins. But as I've gone on in the years and read the Bible more and more, I understand that it is a work of grace and grace alone that has saved me, and it's grace, grace alone that keeps me saved. The Bible speaks about this when John, John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast off. Or John 10, 28 through 29, where Jesus says, I gave them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verse 30, it tells us that all believers are sealed for the day of redemption. The security of the believer is the objective truth, assurance is when one stands on this truth. The third reason we might question our assurance is perhaps we have a misunderstanding of suffering. God, why is it that I'm going through this? Is this because you are punishing me? Is this because I've gone wayward and I'm now an enemy of yours? When the Bible teaches that God disciplines those he loves. A fourth reason, and this isn't in your outline, but it's a, it could be a mental health issue where you're not thinking clearly yourself. And then the fifth reason is maybe you don't have assurance because you're not a Christian. You don't have assurance because you shouldn't have assurance yet. In order to have assurance, you need to be a believer. And you need to repent and place your faith in Christ. So let me just give you five different things here about assurance. These are in your outline. The first is this. Assurance is a gift from God. Assurance is not arrogance. It's not that we're saying, look at what I have accomplished. Now I am a follower of Jesus. No, we are in a right relationship with God only on the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of your works, so that no one may boast. What a treasure it is for us us to have this settled. I don't no longer need to wrestle 
and wonder, am I a child of God? It is a gift. There's this wonderful verse in 1 John 5, verse 13, where John wrote, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. One of the reasons that we have the book of 1 John is for assurance that we can know that we have eternal life. Now listen, doubts are normal. And the opposite of belief is not doubt. The opposite of belief is disbelief. It was J.I. Packer who said, Adopted children need assurance that they belong. A perfect parent will not withhold it. Perhaps you've been adopted into your blood family. Perhaps you know of someone. And perhaps they, they long to be reassured over and over, this is my family. If that is true of that situation, how much more true is for us that have been adopted by the Heavenly Father? We need His reassurance as well. Here's the second thing I would say about assurance. Not only is it a gift from God, assurance is tied to present belief in Jesus' death for our sins. Assurance is possible through a clear understanding of how we are saved from sin and its consequences. We are not saved by works, so we cannot boast. We are saved by the grace of God. I love to hear people's story of how they became a Christian. And then they will often go back into the past. And I I love to hear how that took place. I remember a dear brother in in Michigan, the the church that we served at. His name was Tom Kirby. He was very faithful. He was was one of our sub-teachers. And he came to me one day and he said, Pastor, I, I know that I'm a Christian, but I cannot go back to a specific moment in my life and point to the day where I became a Christian. And I hear all these other people that say that they can do that. Is my faith any different than theirs? Some of us can go back to a moment. Other of us, it's more of a, a season in our life, isn't it? Here's the point I want to make to you this morning. Whether you can go back to a specific moment in your past or not is not as important as right now, what are you trusting in to save you from your sins? Assurance is tied to a present trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection being sufficient to save your soul from hell. Paul told the Colossian Christians that they would be saved, chapter 1, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of a gospel that you have heard. The Hebrew writer said in chapter 3, verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. There were people that would come up to Jesus and they were assured that they were followers of Jesus. 
Remember what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Clearly there were people that would go back to their past and say, look at all the accomplishments that I had. But what really matters is right now, what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone to save you from your sins? Here's another one. Assurance is provided through the Holy Spirit. No pastor... No Sunday school teacher, no parent, no grandparent can provide assurance for you. This is a wonderful work that the Spirit grants to you. Listen to what Romans 8 verse 16 says. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit takes the word of God and drives this reality home and says, you are mine. I'll give you another one. Assurance is proven through a changed life. Our U.S. government has something called a witness protection program, right? In in certain cases... If a person or persons have testified against some sort of a criminal and their life is endangered, the government will, will extract them from their current situation and, and change their name, change their social security number, change their appearance, change their job and their living circumstances and put them in a new setting to protect them. Well, when one becomes a Christian, they get a whole new cr- a whole new identity as well. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And a part of this new creation, the New Testament actually encourages us from time to time to discover, look within to say, am I really a follower of Jesus? Has my life changed 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul wrote, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Or 2 Peter 1, verse 10, Brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. And so assurance is tied to, Has my life really changed? One of the things that we do at Highland Crest is when one person goes through the membership class, we've created this little brochure that says, how to know for sure that you are a Christian. And we walk them through the book of 1 John, the various tests that we see there, and say, does your life match up with what a Christian looks like? So we say, look at your life and compare it to what the fruit of a Christian life is in 1 John, the book of 1 John. Robert Murray McShane says, that's all good, but they should take... Ten looks at Christ for every look that they take a look at themselves. Yes, go ahead and compare your life, but never take your eyes off of Jesus when you are doing that. 
So when we look at some of the fruit of a Christian is, do you read and apply the scriptures? Are your relationships changed? Are you forgiving and loving others? And do you love God more than you love the world? And is there a progressive obedience in your life? These are the things that prove a changed life and will prove your assurance. And then finally, assurance establishes a confidence in experiencing the benefits of the gospel. When you are assured that you are a child of God, then all this other armor is eligible for you. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. Once you are assured, then, then you are able to use that armor at your disposal. You can confidently step into all that God has for you. When we put the helmet of salvation on, we stand on the promises of Scripture. This past week, I heard of a a humble man that wasn't very wealthy. And there was an owner of this large cruise liner. And he said to this poor, humble man, what I'd like to do is present to you a gift. And I want to send you and your whole family on a week's vacation on this cruise liner as as it goes along there off the shores of Florida. And so this man gathered his family And they got on this large boat and they look at all the fun stuff that they could do. And he said to his wife and to his children, let's go and enjoy this and let's have the time of our lives. And so that's what they began to do. And they also noticed that in the lobby areas and throughout the different areas throughout the ship, there would be these snacks and these crackers. And so they began to help themselves to these crackers. And and he'd say, make sure you load up on crackers, kids. And and so this is what they were doing to fill their bellies. And one of the workers came by and, and noticed, man, this guy and his family are eating a whole bunch of crackers. I wonder, I wonder what the story is. And so they went up to the man and they said to him, I can't help but notice that you and your family are eating a lot of crackers. He says, well, honestly, that, that is true. You see, we could never afford to go on a ship like this ourselves. The owner of this ship gifted us a week trip here. And we know this, we could never afford the food that is provided on this trip either. So we've just been eating the crackers. And the man, the owner, not the owner, but one of the employees of the ship says, don't you realize that when you have admission to this ship, that you can eat anything you want and it's all free? Yes, now that you are here, All of this stuff is at your disposal. In the same way that once you are a Christian, once your sins have been forgiven, you can experience all the benefits of the gospel. And you can live, enjoy a Christian life. So here's the question that we conclude with today. Do you need assurance? Or do you need the new life. What's ironic about this assurance is on one hand, you could be a Christian but lack assurance. Conversely, you can have assurance and not be a Christian. We call that false assurance. 
if you were to leave here today, get into your vehicle, go off down the military, go off down the Lombardi, go off on the Highway 41, and God forbid, you would go get into an auto accident, and your life would be taken from you, and you would stand before God, and God said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? Is your answer, based on what I've done, based on my merits, based on my greatest attempts to be good in this life that you have given to me? Or is your answer, it's entirely on what Jesus has done on my behalf. It is by the grace of God. I trusted in that. Last week, I trusted in that 10 years ago, and I'm still trusting in that today. My present belief in the grace of God that has saved me. Loved ones, do you have this assurance? What a gift it is. You can walk confidently, putting on all the other pieces of armor and walking in the strength of God. And if you do not have this assurance... If you do not have this new life, what would prevent you from experiencing it and embracing it today? As Miss Jean comes and the music team comes, I want to lead us in a time of prayer. Why don't you bow your head with me? Father, I thank you that as we talk about this strength of the Lord that is provided for us, And as we just take some time to look at each one of these pieces of armor, you have let us settle on this helmet of salvation. Not not just any sort of helmet, but the helmet of salvation. This idea that we can be assured that our sins have been forgiven and the consequences have been resolved. And we can stand in an inner confidence to be in a right relationship with you from this moment and into eternity. Oh, help us to walk boldly in this assurance. And then I pray for those who've yet to experience that, who've yet to have this new life. Lord, would you draw them Would you lead them to a desire to walk with you? Would you create a a holy hunger within them to have their sins forgiven, to walk with you, to plant themselves with other Christians that they could do life with them, alongside them? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.